0: Avalara proudly sponsors this podcast series about accountants, by accountants, and featuring some of the best thought leaders in the industry. Thank you to our sponsor, Avalara. Avalara's award-winning tax automation solutions help accounting practitioners and businesses of all sizes simplify sales tax compliance with real-time rates, automated returns filing, and more. Learn more at avalara.com. Mm-hmm. Hey everyone, this is Laurelyn and you're listening to the good, the bad, and the ugly accounting podcast. More accountants than ever are experimenting and shaping our profession in new and interesting ways. On this show, I sit down with these rock stars to discuss the ideas, the opportunities, the struggles, and the strategies that they're taking advantage of so the rest of us can do the same. Accountants can earn free CPE credit from listening to this podcast. Just download the Earmark CPE app in the app store or visit earmarkcpe.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another pod episode of the good, the bad, and the ugly accounting podcast. Side note, I'd never heard the phrase pod until Jason Stats said it in like a, a Twitter stream. And he's like, and it was in reference to how do people absorb information? Is it pods? And I had no idea what he was actually talking about. I was like, great, another app I'm going to have to learn. And it was like right. 50 comments in. I realized like, oh, he's talking about podcasts. Okay. I know what that is. But anyway, <laughs> today's episode is called No Pain, No Gain. And this is all about kind of the growing Pains of building a firm. And our guest today is Nicole Davis. And Nicole, okay, so here it says Nicole Davis, but then it also says
1: Nicole Butler Davis, which is it? Which? So, so Butler is my maiden name. Okay. And Davis is my married name. So I just hyphenated it and okay. the firm. Um, got it. Got it. All right.
0: And she is the founder of Butler Davis, da- Butler Davis Tax and Accounting, who she runs with, like, it's going to get weird, folks, with her lover. <laughs> Right. <laughs> she runs it with her lover. How long have you guys had <laughs> How long have you? Yes, guys- I do. I do.
1: I do. <laughs> How long have you guys had your firm? So, when we started? Yeah. Mhm. So, I started full-time in 2014 and then okay. my lover came on board <laughs> in 2016. So, and we've been running together ever since. Oh, what, so what was he doing before he came on board? So he was actually a um a general man- manager for Aaron's, the rental furniture store. Have you heard of that? Yes. Like yeah, a- yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, he was a general manager for a store in our town. And he was just, you know, re- retail is real funky. Crazy yeah. hours. Dealing uh-huh. a lot of mess. And he was just tired. I was like, well, that wasn't a plan for you to come this early, but come on. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yes, I am. I am so jealous. There, there is like nothing more I would love than to have my lover be in <laughs> business with me. Like you know, because I'm assuming obviously, if you're in business together, it's because you love working together. And I'm yes, like, that's just so cool. I love. Yes, that.
1: he's my favorite person to be around. I probably smother him. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but I probably wouldn't have it any other way.
0: Yes, yes, and it looks mm-hmm. like here you just do kind of the. Trifecta, the accounting, tax, financial management kind of services that a lot of firms these days are doing. And it looks like you kind of service clients in all sizes in real estate, construction, retail, finance. So you don't really have, would you say you have a niche or you have like just coincidentally a lot of clients that kind of fall into one of those buckets?
1: So we did have a niche. Uh huh. It was when we we're building that niche back up, it was independent pharmacies. So when I started my firm, I started working with a college friend who started a pharmacy mm-hmm. and then he referred all his college friends that also started pharmacies and then COVID happened and we lost a lot of our pharmacy clients. Really? So we've been slowly building that niche back up. So I didn't want to niche hundred percent anything. So it's some good mix mm-hmm. of pharmacies and other business types. Yeah. What are,
0: cause I'm always like, what's, what are profitable businesses? Should I buy a business?
1: Are pharmacies
0: profitable? What are those margins no, like? absolutely <laughs> I mean, not. <laughs>
1: I not have the worst that. margins ever, right?
0: <laughs> okay, so everyone, do not buy a pharmacy business. No, That's I would not way. buy a pharmacy unless you really <laughs> love it, right? <laughs> yes, okay, it's more of a passion. It's a passion play, not really a financial play. (laughs) Mm -hmm, It is. Okay. So before we like kind of get really into it, I'm gonna play a game called Love It and Leave It. All right. And I'll go first. So I don't know if I gave you enough like time to like think of, oh my gosh, what am I gonna say in this? So you have to say one thing in your firm you're using, whatever, just one thing associated with your business that you love and one thing you want to leave. All right. Okay. And so this one I might be a little premature in saying I love it, but I have this problem of I have Gmail, like like I have a thousand Gmail accounts. I have a thousand calendars and trying to get them to all talk because they're kind of Mm -hmm. all for different businesses I work with or I own. But Calendly just sent me an email today that says like you can connect and cross reference up to like six calendars. So I'm praying that will be my saving grace because it's only a matter of time before I'm triple booked on stuff. So (laughs) That's my I love it. But again, preemptively, because I haven't actually used it. Okay, right. And then my leave it is, and I'm sure you have come across this. Uh, I was on a call with Kristen Keats, shout out to Breakaway Advisory, mm-hmm. <laughs> earlier this morning. And we were looking at the audit trail of a super weird transaction. And that loop you get caught in, in the audit trail, when you try and like... yes, ask- yes You can't you go and- back to the original. You always... Th- You get that is so annoying, yeah, (laughs) and it's always done that. So, into it, QBO cares, hashtag, like, please fix that for us.
1: Yes, (laughs) or have (laughs) a link that says go back to original transaction. Oh my gosh, yes, so
0: frustrating. So, the more clicks I have to do, and here's the thing I will crap on desktop apps all day long, (laughs) but there is something to be said about QuickBooks desktop. Just having a better UX. I mean it's clunk, it's like not as pretty looking, but like mm-hmm. I can fly around QuickBooks desktop. Like nothing is slowing me down. I can open up three thousand tabs if I want to in there.
1: Like <laughs> yes, that is true. And it's so customizable. You can do a lot more in yes. desktop than you could do in
0: Yeah. At, so, you know, so. so it's like I all you QBD lovers, like I get <laughs> it. I do. I really I okay. all right,
1: Nicole. What are your <laughs> right. love it and leave it? All right, so my, so I will start with leave it? So my leave it is my email is not Gmail compatible. Oh, no. Right. Oh, you notice that I sent your email. I don't, whenever oh, yeah. a client shares something with me through a, like a Google doc, I'm always like, uh, I can't open it. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I, need, I need access to my Gmail account. So I, I really hate that because I get a lot of, documents through gmail that i can't open i have to circle you back to the outlook? client is that what you use or yes, what do you we use outlook right mm, okay. and we set it up through outlook and outlook mm. shut that down for us mm. um my love is my crm is cello, so we pretty oh, much yeah. built out cello to be to help run this thing because without it i would be a hot mess hot, yes hot mess. yes and for those of you who don't know, me
0: and, and Nicole are in an Accounting Salon together, and she actually kind of did a demo walkthrough at Accounting Salon a couple weeks ago, showing us cello, and it's pretty freaking cool. So you would, and would you say that Acelo, would it work well for a firm who maybe isn't as tax heavy? Because I know you're you're pretty tax heavy, aren't you? Or no,
1: we're not actually. Okay. We're, so okay. we aren't tax heavy. I would say our revenues right now, since the acquisition, uh-huh. is probably forty. Percent accounting, another thirty percent. No, fifty percent accounting, thirty percent tax, mm-hmm. and then no, take that back. Thirty percent payroll <laughs> and twenty, and the rest is tax.
0: Uh huh. Yeah. Uh huh. So,
1: okay. Yeah. So, Acelo,
0: everyone, and I. Unfortunately, this is going to be released after AICP engage. But you're doing. <laughs> Are you doing a presentation that wraps in cello? Or what's well, your yes, I'm going to
1: mention a cello, but it's, it's the tax season debrief. So you'll you'll have some tips about how. Wait, to you're done with your tax season?
0: Am. You're done with tax season, Nicole? You- no, not, <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> no. Same. <laughs>
1: like, you know, to, on my way. Thinking about the podcast today, or well, thinking about the tax season debrief earlier, I was like, listen, I'm throwing in some blackout dates after tax season. Like, I'm, t- I'm telling clients I'm not doing any tax returns from April 16th to June 15th. So, yes, yes. It's, just, uh, it's like I've been doing taxes nonstop since April 15th. Yeah. When do we stop calling it tax season and just, right. it's like tax year? Right. <laughs> it's, it's just, not a, not it's just it's never ending. <laughs>
0: oh definitely okay so there's two specific things we're gonna cover today that are pains that any anyone with a growing firm are going to come across for the most part the mm-hmm. first is has to do with employees and the second has to do with acquisitions because there okay. is a point like I've seen it in all my friends, firms, there's a certain point where you stop doing the organic growth and instead you start doing the acquiring to grow. So, but let's start out with employees and okay. very specifically when a new employee doesn't work out. because <laughs> How frustrating is that? So, okay. So let's like go back to the beginning prior okay. to hiring. Okay. What did your staff situation look like?
1: All right. So when I started, so I started full-time in 2014. It was just me and I hired a part-time admin. So I hired an admin right off the bat.
0: Mm-hmm. Just
1: because I knew I wanted to focus my attention on growing the firm and I couldn't wear all the hats. So it was me and her for a very long time. She's still with me. She's now our communication and marketing specialist. Oh, cool. Um, so from there, then my husband joined us. in you 2016. love her. Yes, I love her. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, everyone. 2016. <laughs> and then we hired our first employee. So my very first employee actually reached out to me. Oh. Um, she was she had worked, I think at a car dealership in her AP department, and she was trying to like sit for the CPA, get her license. So she reached out, reached out to me. I wasn't thinking about hiring anybody, but I was mm-hmm. like, hey, why not? Why not give her a shot? When I tell you, like she's been one of my best employees. Except she, she quit on me.
0: <laughs> oh, no. dude!
1: Like, like a few you, years later. But she did stick her CPAs down. She got licensed. And I've been slowly trying to woo her back, but it's not working. Did
0: she, a little rabbit trail here. Did she leave yeah. to go to a bigger firm? Was it like strictly pay?
1: Was it more she wanted to work less? Like why did she leave? I definitely think it was pay.
0: Yeah. Because
1: mm-hmm. she went to another accounting firm. And it was remote I think it was 100% remote work, oh, even back okay. then. I think it was like 2018 or 2019 before COVID. So it was pay, definitely. And I should have counter-offered, but, you know, I was like, she was dead to me. It was my pride talking. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so i like, I really <laughs> lost out on a good <laughs> employee.
0: Yeah. Uh, and
1: then we slowly just started adding bookkeepers over time. And I have mm. had the worst worst luck with hiring like really good bookkeepers. And are you hiring
0: domestically or are you outsourcing
1: So initially we, we only hired domestically until I mm-hmm. was like, you know what? I can't find like highly skilled bookkeepers, Like I have to have someone that doesn't know anything, bring them in, train them. And let me tell you, I am, I have the shortest amount of patience. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yes. So training yeah. was not my strong suit. So you're yep. like, I know what I need to, a plug and play method. So that's when we started looking offshore. So right now we have a team of nine in house and including me, and then we have three full time offshore.
0: Okay, okay, okay. Yeah,
1: got it. Okay.
0: Avalera helps businesses of all sizes get indirect tax compliance right. Their sales tax solutions help you manage sales and use tax complexities while lessening risk for your business and clients. Whether you're a small business or a global enterprise, Avalara can help you deliver tax compliance services confidently and efficiently. Over 30,000 organizations across the globe use Avalara's cloud-based compliance solutions to solve transaction tax compliance needs, including sales and use, VAT, and other direct and indirect taxes. All right. And so you decide, all right, we need another employee at this time. And how did like, how do you decide when it's time to hire someone? What metrics are you looking at? Or is it more just like gut feeling like we're working too much. We need someone.
1: Yes. Initially it was definitely just gut feeling. I was like, so I'm the type that I want to hire to delegate the work to. Like I want to make a decent salary, but I don't need to make all the money in the world. Right. Mm -hmm. I just want to build a firm Employ people to make good money as well. Well, I'm not hoarding all the profit, like, I don't need to hoard the profit, yeah, because mm-hmm. I don't want to do all the work, right? Yeah, and then eventually I started hiring to build in capacity. So for me, it was more so okay, I we know that we want ourselves to be so and so by a certain date. Like, mm-hmm. do we have the capacity if we were to hit that goal to service these clients? So for us, it's more so we overhire to build in capacity. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Okay. So here's a question because like tax twitter always debating this as you're yep. kind of doing this calculation and determining what is capacity. Mm-hmm. Are you having people use timesheets to track their hours?
1: <laughs> About 90% of our team is hourly. So they track their time just to get paid.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And
1: then our offshore team, of course, they track their time because their company is making them track their time. And mm-hmm. they we're using, and they pretty much service about 100% of our clients. I mean, they, they do all of the back end work for our clients. Yeah. So for them, they're tracking time against client work, and we're able to use that time to track our profitability.
0: Okay. So, yeah, that was going to be my follow up question. Are you yeah. actually taking that data and doing something yes. with it? And do you feel like, because I know it can be hard, necessary sometimes to extract that information if one person working on a client's incredibly efficient while the second person's. Not so, how are you able to kind of like flesh out taking that into account that some people are going to be high performers, some people low performers?
1: Right, so with that, and this is what I love about a cello because every client has you know the bookkeeping tags, so every time we're closing the books, the team starts the task and they finish the client's books, they stop it, so it tracks the time within a cello. So mm-hmm. and each of the tags are assigned to different people, so we know who's been efficient. With a tax person who isn't. Because mm-hmm. again, I worked with a bunch of people that I had to hire and fire, and I'm yeah. able to make, even they were tracking the tax as well. And when I was doing the work, I was tracking the tax as well. So I know, yeah. like, okay, it didn't take you an hour to reconcile this bank account when yeah. it took me three minutes or it took another <laughs> account in <and> eight <laughs> minutes. Because, <laughs> yeah, because, yes. I mean, because QBO Q- 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 pretty much bao- reconciles <laughs> ana- hy- it for you. <free> Right, the bank thing is in order, right? (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yes, like all. If I'm doing something for the first time, that's I know is going to be a repeatable thing. I will track my time the first time I do it, just so I have a general idea of my own workload (laughs) capacity. But like, will I continually track it, like for information? I'm like, no, it's just me, you know. So okay, all right. So you decide. All right, we need to hire someone. What's that process? Where are you posting job listings?
1: So we're using LinkedIn, indeed. Um, we're using the chamber here. That chamber has a website we can post job ads on. We actually even use a recruiter once. Oh. And how did it work so, out too well?
0: Do they uh, I've never used a recruiter. Don't they re- how do they get paid? Is it like a percentage or what's that?
1: It is. It's a percentage of the base pay for the new hire, but okay. they only require payment once the employee is placed. Mm-hmm. And then you pay like 30 to 60 days after. Okay. And why was that not a good experience? It was an entry-level um accounting position. hmm And she just couldn't like get the work done. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, I have very short patience. So I didn't understand. Like, why can't you L- listen? <laughs> 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 listen. she. I... I go... Even today, like, Laura Lee, it's funny that we're talking about employees. Even today, I was on a rampage. <laughs> Are you not on a rampage? Yeah. But yeah. today I was. I'm trying to figure out, like, because I've been traveling a lot. and I'm trying to figure out why isn't this client's books closed? Mm. They've been a mm-hmm. client since January. And our virtual team is still asking for documents. And I'm like, what in the hell is going on? Yep. Mm-hmm. So I've been on a rampage. And so that the employee through the recruiter, same issue. It was like mm. we sat down. She, We have an online training course that every cl- new client goes through. Uh, mm-hmm. Every new employee goes through. Mm-hmm. And we pretty much tell them how we work in our company, what's expected of them. Like we give them um, access to bookkeeping courses. So they need if they need to beef up their skills. Mm-hmm. So this is all done during the first 10 to 15 days of their employment so they're not working on any client work they're just getting acclimated to how we service clients Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. when she came on I mean she looked promising and then all of a sudden I think things just started she just started being really careless with her work and there were a lot of security issues coming into play I was like listen I've been in business seven years and I have never had these type of issues before Mm -hmm. like there is a problem and I think it just stemmed from like some personal things that were going on in her life so nothing that I could have done differently to make it work. I just think mm-hmm. it was something she had to deal with. And and we decided to part ways. So, yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. All right. So yeah. you list, you know, this job posting on these various platforms. How many applications did you receive?
1: So on LinkedIn, for some reason, our LinkedIn hasn't been as great as it used to be. So we mm-hmm. probably get like between 10 and 15 on LinkedIn after a month of posting. Mm. Indeed, it's where you get a ton of applications and you just don't want to sift through all those applications. So I have my um, admin go through and pick <laughs> pick out the best ones yeah, for yeah. me to look at. And I even had her do like the initial screening calls. I like Because they can set up interviews through LinkedIn now. So when they set an interview, I reported to her. She would do an initial screening call. And then she would give me her take on how, you know, if mm. they're a good fit or not. Because initially, I want to see if they're a good fit. And she has a really good read on people. And then after mm-hmm. that, they have a second interview where it's either through a virtual meeting or they come into the office, and that's a much longer interview where she's gonna, mm-hmm. what well, the, the candidate's gonna meet with me, it's gonna meet with my lover Lava. and, and <laughs> some other team members to just to see if it's still a good fit. Yeah. And then we yeah. do a reference check, and then after the reference check, we determine if we're gonna make an offer or not. We pretty much use the interviewing style in Who, which is a book by Jeff Smart, who okay. the aim at the. The method for hiring a team members. Yeah. Uh-huh.
0: Okay. So how many people make it to that process where they're doing the longer interview with you?
1: Not many, actually, because they, they failed the initial screening for the most part. Because yeah. we only asked like four or five questions. And those one candidate. So when I was doing the screening, one candidate told me that he didn't. He always asked his partners. Like follow up questions because he didn't want to do the legwork. And I was like, You actually admitted that. I like, Okay, that's a no. <laughs> <laughs> like,
0: uh, I love it. I don't want to do any extra research on myself. So I will exactly continually that. bug yeah. those above me.
1: <laughs> yes, that's exactly what he said. I was like, Because the question is, What is one of your weaknesses? Or what's something you're not good at? And he was like, Following up. He doesn't like to do the work. And I was like, You know what? <laughs> No, See, like, no,
0: no, way. you don't know how interviews work. Like, you're supposed to take a strength and pretend it's a weakness. Like, I work right? too hard. Exactly. I have no work-life balance. I just work, work, work. What I sell my that? soul to the company. <laughs> like, that's, that's the truth. <laughs> right? Like, I, I care so much about clients. I will bend over backwards for all of them. That right? is my biggest weakness. <laughs>
1: yes. It's <don't> <laughs> not, like, legitimately what you're bad at. Like, shh. So a lot of times they just never make it out the initial screening because they all, they always give me a red flag.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's
1: what the initial screening is for, like, to look for those red or yellow flags.
0: Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, I know this is also another debate, and I think at accounting salon we were talking about, too. But what do you lean toward in hiring? Are you more of a culture
1: hire or a competence hire? You know what? I have debated this question over and over again because people always say hire for fit. Right? Train for skill. Is that mm-hmm. the same? I think, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 Listen, I was <laughs> like, that's a bunch of baloney because <laughs> that does not work. That's not. feels like for another me.
0: fight on Twitter coming. Like, I will drop a poll. I will drop a poll after this and we can watch the comments go crazy. I
1: hate that saying like with a passion because I have always hired for fit. These people have great personalities. They get along well with my team member, but as soon as they sit their butts down in the seat to do work, they flail. I'm like, and again, remember I have very short patience. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. like once I show you something one time during that time, you need to ask your follow-up questions. Like don't come to me three or four times later. Like, what did you say again? That is one way to like get on my bad list, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. I think it all goes back to how I was trained in accounting and probably even you, right? In the corporate, mm-hmm. we didn't have all these loom videos for training or these <laughs> process manuals. We had. No, you sat down with your manager. They showed you how to do something once. Yeah. You had to take copious notes and go back and do it. And you better get it Right. Now yeah. they want training videos, they want Loom, they want process documents. I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I don't have time for this.
0: <laughs> uh, well, I think, well, the theme I'm hearing, and I'm the same way, I, but I feel like intrinsically we are self-starters, where if yes. we don't know how to do something, we're not relying on others to teach us. We're going to exhaust all our resources to figure out, can I figure this out myself? And only when yes. I'm like hitting wall after wall and wall, I can't, yes. then I'll ask for help.
1: But like, I agree I'm, with that.
0: Yes. yes. And so that's what we want in an employee is we want a self-starter. And it's like, I'm going to give you the outline, like, feel free to fill in the gaps. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's like, hey. too. it's like my hey. philosophy, especially as you're learning. I'm like, it's accounting. No one dies. And the best way to learn is kind of from falling on your face. And getting back up and
1: falling on your face and, this, and getting and back up. I have up. given my team, like I, I'm like, hey, it's okay if you fail. Like, I want you to fail because in failing, you learn, right? Mm-hmm. I said, if there's an issue where you're just 100% sure and it's going to cost either me or the client money and you don't want to make the decision without my input, I understand that. But yeah, your job is to get the work done. So mm-hmm. try it fail, keep trying it. If you keep hitting the wall, then we can sit down and we can talk about, okay, what are some things we can do to, you know what, help you like reach the next milestone or reach the next step. So I try to be very, very lenient because I know that is my shortfall and that I'm very impatient. So I try to like give them like chance after chance because at the same time, I sit down with them once, I train them and then I kind of let them go and know do their work and then we mm-hmm. come back. So we I do try to have the feedback system when they're first starting out. So the when the first 60 days of employment, we try to meet like every few weeks, every other week, kind of mm-hmm. sit down and see what worked, what didn't work. Mm-hmm. But after so many weeks, I'm like, we can't keep we can't keep talking about what didn't work because that didn't work six weeks ago. Like we yeah. should have figured this out by now.
0: Mm-hmm. So yeah. Okay. So that leads really well into okay first off you'd mentioned earlier that you have like uh, a onboarding process they go through what tech are you using like what are they what's what's the platform behind that
1: yes so i bought this lifetime deal through app sumo called a cattle so it's um it's an online course that you can build out and I only bought the one, I think it's one university, which is for my firm. I should have bought two universities. But it's mm-hmm. one university through my f- firm. And it's kind of like, is it Think Thinkific or? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's one like one of those online courses, but it's lifetime deal. It pretty much does the same thing that it does. And we can like send employees through that to finish it before they actually start any client work.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And are like, how many? So these...
0: People you're hiring, because I know like nowadays, all of us firms are very app heavy. How many different types of apps are new apps they're learning to work in? Like, is that part of the hiring consideration? Like, have you worked in these apps before? And then yes. how extensive is that
1: training within those apps as well? That's a great question. For for us, the main apps that we're training them on is QBO, bill.com because a lot of times they have not used those apps. Mm-hmm. We're training them on our course of cello, training them on QB time for the, no, we use yeah QB time for instead t- of T-sheets now. And we encourage them. We actually have it in our salary progression um, worksheet to say, hey, if you're not QBO certified, if you do get QBO certified within so many days, like usually 60 days, then we will actually give you a raise. So mm-hmm. it's like a bump in salary. So we try mm-hmm. to encourage them to be certified in QBO and build like all the apps we're using to service clients.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I, nobody wants to make extra money apparently because
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm like I would be the first like I'd be doing that right. on day 1. I'm like I, I am QBO advanced certified.
1: <laughs> yes. Right. And but so so now we kind of now it's more so so that was the option before. Now it's more so no. You if you're gonna work in QBO, you need to be certified within sixty days. Mm-hmm. And then if you're not, you're gonna we're gonna let you go.
0: Yeah. I mean, You'll yeah.
1: get the salary increase, but it's not optional anymore. It's the more requirement now for the yeah, job. Yeah, so you still have the carrot, but you added a stick. Exactly. <laughs> <As
0: well>. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did you know that 52% of accounting practitioners, large and small, still rely on spreadsheets and manual processes for sales tax compliance? Why not move your accounting practice to the 21st century using Avalara for Accountants? The Avalara for Accountants automation platform helps accounting service providers of any size grow their service offerings with sales tax prep and filing, transfer pricing, research, business license management, and more. Scale your practice efficiently with award-winning automation that brings efficiency and accuracy to sales tax compliance. Wanna learn more? Email accountants at avalera.com or visit avalera.com. Okay, so during this training process, who's overseeing that? Are you overseeing that, or do you have one of your staff members
1: overseeing it? Yeah. So are you the one so right just me overseeing it? Mm. Right, because I do all of the onboarding for new hires. Mm-hmm. I do all of the initial training. Now we recently hired a a a team lead, so hopefully she'll be able to fill that role more now, but mm-hmm. for the most part it's been me. Okay. All right. Okay. So
0: how how fast does their ramp up look like cuz we touched on this. So how mm-hmm. fast do you expect them to go from learning to semi-independent to completely independent?
1: So that one is a little I was that one is varies, right? Mm-hmm. I would love them to go from Day one to they're fully acclimated with our entire process. They are, they're working a book of clients between ten and eighteen thousand dollars a month in revenue, a recurring revenue within sixty to ninety days. I mean that would be ideal. That just doesn't happen because again they're starting from scratch for the most part. So they have to learn QBO. Yeah, um, if they have a bookkeeping background, again we try to hide like. Remember I said I don't hire for fit anymore. Like, first, I need to make sure you have the basics, the basic skill requirement to do the job. And yeah. then we can look at fit. So if they have a bookkeeping background, which is great, then I don't have to do as much training with them as far as bookkeeping. They don't have to do those separate bookkeeping courses we have. Yep. Um. But if they don't, then it takes a lot longer for them to get ramped up.
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. OK, so we've like kind of laid the foundation so what happened? What went wrong? <laughs> Why did this not work out?
1: <laughs> right, right. I'm thinking about all of the people I've brought on and then had to let go. Like, where was the biggest issue? And, I, and for a long time, I really thought, I, I was like, listen, I'm just not good at hiring. Mm-hmm. Then my coach was like, no, you just need to get better at you know, training them and then holding them accountable. Like, I was very bad at holding people accountable. Mm. So that's why I'll give them chance after chance. And then eventually I was like, you know what? It's not me. It's really not me. It's 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 just because I hired for fit. Mm -hmm. I thought that I could train them to be bookkeepers, but some people just aren't meant to be bookkeepers. Mm -hmm. I think I just hired the wrong people. Mm -hmm. Ultimately what it boiled down to. I hired the wrong people. They just couldn't get it. And then except that remember that one, the one who, who reached out to me. Mm-hmm. Like, she came from an AP background. Like, she didn't do a whole lot of bookkeeping, but she learned fairly quickly. Like, we sat down, I showed her something once, she figured it out. Literally, she could run my whole company without me. And she did because I, I went on a trip once and everything yeah. ran smoothly because yeah. she had the, she had, she was the self starter. Uh huh. She had the bookkeeping background, even though she'd never worked in bookkeeping. And then, she had a goal that she wanted to be a CPA, so she soaked it all in, and she learned as yep. much as she could, and she finally got her license, and I signed up on it. So that, that's my claim to fans. So but it's not me. I'm like, damn it, I can try to be a place. Hear that, everyone?
0: It was your fault. It was not Nicole's. <laughs> yeah, it's not Nicole. <laughs> okay, so here's a question. This popped, just popped up in my head. All right. So you're now, you're like, okay, there has to be some base level technical knowledge before. Like, are you having them do any tests? Do you have them do like a little bookkeeping test?
1: Yes, I do. So, and that's the tricky part. So because they can always cheat, right. If they're not in the office. So Mm -hmm. like the last bookkeeper I hired, I gave them there, there's a bookkeeping test we get through talent lens. I believe it's Pearson education. They have like a bookkeeping test that you can, and they have like other personality tests as well or, um, I think it's called workplace environment test. So you can test them to see how well they'll work in a, in your company and how well they'll do on certain assessments like bookkeeping. So we do use that. But again, if, they're, if I don't, they can cheat, in other words. And uh-huh. then they pass with flying colors. And as soon as they get in the office, I'm like, what happened to all the things you got correct on this test? But now you don't know what you're doing. So,
0: yeah. Have you ever considered designing your own test? No, no. So I have to believe that maybe I should. I
1: should design tests and sell them because I feel like you I should. Have- Someone I should. But not all right. I was like, listen. If it requires me to, if it- if there's something out there already that I can pay for, yeah, then I'm all for buying it and using it. I don't, okay, so, I don't. like, let's just say I made this. What would, like, that price point be? <laughs> right. So, it would definitely be a volume business, right? Because yes.
0: it yes. has to
1: be at a price point to where it's low enough to where you can get, like, CPA firms. Because it, you would get a lot of people that would actually buy it because they would right? buy it in volume.
0: Yes. Like, mm-hmm. should we start a business
1: together, Nicole? <laughs> to Did we just come
0: up with a business idea? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I'm like hiring. So that's too, a great
1: right idea because there's no like there's no that's really nowhere you can go and say, hey, yes, this is the company that you should use to to assess every new hire that comes through your door. Like oh there's more different- or assess your current employees. Yet, yeah. Oh my God. That's right. Is, that is critical. Right? That, that is critical because especially for those who, who hired before they brought assessments into their hiring process. Hey, there's a Kobe. You ever the a Kobe test? No, on top. Kobe is a great tool to use because it tells you, like, a, for a role you're hiring, it tells you if that person is going to be a great fit or not for that role. Mm-hmm. So it gives you to like four numbers, and I forget what the, what the four numbers represent, but basically it says if you're going to hire for a, a payroll manager, mm-hmm. then they should, have the, they should have these numbers in these buckets. If not, do not hire them for that role. So we started implementing that in our hiring process. And what I haven't done yet is go back and test my previous hires. And I should because some of these people are not in the right role. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. yeah, it's probably that you're not in the right role versus that you're not able to do it. Yeah, Mm -hmm. definitely.
0: Okay, so then to sum up like kind of on employees in this whole hiring thing, What, like, based on all you've learned, like, what are maybe, like, two or three key takeaways that you're like, I will always do this one one or two things in the future or these one or two things will always be a no-go for me?
1: Okay. So, one or two things I'll always do in the future. I'll always use a Kobe assessment before making an offer just to make sure they're a good fit for the role. Mm -hmm. I'll also always do more of the so we use something called 155 and it offers like the one-on-one check-ins. So when you bring on a new hire, you you what I didn't do early on was I didn't do those like those weekly follow-ups to see how they were progressing mm-hmm. throughout like the first few weeks of their hire. So doing those one-on-ones are critical because again, you can usually determine where they're failing and where they're excelling and you can make adjustments there so that they're more successful in their role. Yeah. Yeah. What I wouldn't do is I I don't look for just fit anymore. Definitely, I mm-hmm. hire based on okay, are they going to do the job and do the job the way it needs to be done? And then I say okay, the assessments look good. Now let's bring them in to make sure they're fit for our yeah. company. So what else I wouldn't do? I hmm. I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't hire a, a recruiter. I wouldn't use a recruiter anymore.
0: Yeah. And it's like, uh, unless they like special I don't know. I don't think I ever would either. I mean, if there's anyone out here or out there who uses one and it works well, like please let us know who right. you're using and why it's working. Stories.
1: I'm pretty sure there are because I've used recruiters in my corporate jobs. I've been hired through recruiters and I think I was a successful placement for them. Totally. But mm-hmm. it hasn't worked out for me. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, everyone.
0: All right. Switching gears a little bit. The other pain of a growing firm we're going to discuss is going through an acquisition. So why were you looking to do an acquisition?
1: So we were mainly looking to do acquisition for growth. So we've Mm -hmm. been growing organically since day one. And we've done pretty well from an organic standpoint. But, you know, you get to a point, like you said, where you're like, okay, this is fun. This is good. But in order for us to get to reach this revenue goal and to do it by this date, we're probably going to need to do an acquisition. Mm-hmm. So we started looking probably late last year. I actually talked to a couple of people from an accounting salon that have done acquisitions. Yeah. And I was just speaking up, bringing like, okay, what made sense? What what worked? What didn't work? And I got a lot of good feedback. And I took all that feedback. And I pretty much went out looking for someone to buy. Yeah, And it's funny because we were going to buy an accounting and tax firm Mm-hmm. Um, but Matt I don't know you Matthew May he he works with King yeah Matthew May so he, he he's like my go-to I, I sent him my deal sheet and he's like uh no you need to <laughs> <So> he's, like, <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, Matthew
0: May, he's on Twitter so if you're doing an acquisition just DM him sorry Matthew <laughs> not sorry <laughs>
1: nice yeah so he was like because it had a bunch of tax return. Remember, we're not a tax heavy shop. And he was like, yeah. do you want all those returns? And I was like, no, not really. He said, well, ask them, can you buy just this portion of the business and not the tax return? I said, oh, I didn't think of that. I always thought you had to buy the whole business. Yeah. They're like, no, but it's probably good that it didn't work out because they were based in Florida. Um, mm-hmm. So something else we learned is that if you're going to do your first acquisition, do it. Like within your area, within your state, because if there's mm. issues, you need to be able to travel there and take care of it. If you have to hop on a plane and go fix something like that can be burdensome, right? Mm-hmm. That's one of the things we learned as well. So we actually found a firm here. It was actually through a client, one of our very good clients. His mother-in-law owned a payroll company here. She's owned the last 20 years so she's built this good book of business for all the local businesses here in our little town. Mm-hmm. And so we reached out to him to ask her, like, is she interested in selling now? Because she was three years ago, but we yeah. were like, nah, we don't want payroll. yeah. Um, because... <laughs> <laughs> but we learned that payroll is a really good business because the clients are super sticky. And then there yeah. are so many other things that we could, like, offer them mm-hmm. once we gain their a trust, lot of right? Mm-hmm. Yes, a lot of upselling. So... He reached out to her. He was like, "Yeah, she's interested. She's ready to retire." And I was like, "Okay, good." And then we yeah. just started that process in late December. We went through the due diligence. Everything worked out great. Like it was such a a good transaction for both of us. Now there's <laughs> a like a sad part to that because she start, she got really ill right after Ugh. we started the, yeah. the talks. Uh-huh. Um, and but overall, it's been a really really good. Purchase for us. Um, we yeah. acquire, The best part, we acquire employees. So the employees pretty much run it themselves. Like, mm. I feel bad sometimes. I'm like, I have not done anything as far as any payrolls. The only yeah. thing I do is do the billing. And I don't even do that part. When one of the employees does that, she sends me what we need to bill each client. I create the invoice and send it out, collect the money. Like, that's yeah. all I'm doing literally in this acquisition. Yes. So far. So, it's just been a really good process for us. So now we're looking at, okay, now how can we, you know, make things more efficient? Because again, she she started this company or she bought this company from another guy 20 years ago and she's been doing things the same way it was done 20 years ago. So it's very <laughs> hyper intensive. Uh, yeah, so like, that like,
0: was gonna be one of my questions is how did your tech stack differ and what's been that process of she had no tech stack,
1: okay? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> no tech stack. Paper and pencils, the tech stack. Youngin, <laughs> right. So she, so she does use software to process the payroll. That's the only piece of tech that she uses. Which, okay? which software does she use? Thompson Reuters ACS Payroll.
0: Never heard of it.
1: <laughs> yes, they have a payroll applications. So and it's it's really good software. Uh huh. Um, but other than that, it literally. Everything is paper. When I tell you they print off every payroll tick and tie and put it in a box somewhere, we have a storage room full of W 2s from 1999. I'm like, listen, we can't, we need to burn this because. Yes. <laughs> yes. Is that this is required right now.
0: No. What's what's that look back period? I should probably know this, but That's, it's not 22, 23 years. <laughs>
1: no, it's not 30 years. For some reason, they were under the impression that they had to keep these things for 30 years. I was like, no, well, that, that doesn't sound right. <laughs> I know that's not right. It oh has my to be god! More like seventy. The IRS one requires you about seventy years. So yeah, like it's 70 10. maybe ten max ten. Right. we we'll ten. But yeah, anything older than that, we're gonna shred and burn. Like yes, yeah. we were like, oh my god, this this cannot be life.
0: <laughs> so okay, so in this uh, buyout, was there any transition period? You said um, unfortunately she ended up getting ill. As part of this agreement, was it just like? cut the cord, cut the umbilical cord, now you have your new baby and she's not part of it?
1: Or was she part of that process? So initially she was going to be a hundred percent a part of the process. So when we mm-hmm. talked in December, she, now she had a book of clients that she worked on exclusively. And that, that was something I expressed okay. early on. I was like, Hey, I'm not gonna be able to do that book of clients. So we got to figure out a way to like divide this work up among the current team. Cause Mm-hmm. i got enough of my plate. I don't need a, I don't need to process $100,000 in payroll because that's what she processed by herself. Well,
0: yeah, yeah.
1: So I was like, um, that's not going to work. So her, she was going to introduce me to all of the clients that she processed mm-hmm. so they can get to know me. And then we would explain to them that, hey, Nicole t- is going to be the new owner, but she's not going to process the payroll. It's going to be one of the other team members. Mm-hmm. But when she got sick, like when I say she got sick, Laura Land, she got, sick, sick, like mm. cancer sick. Oh, geez. And it, and it rapidly progressed to where she oh, was no. incapacitated. The thing is for her husband, he was able to step in for the mm-hmm. most part and really help like kind of you know, keep everything together because he worked with her the last three or so years. So he had a oh, good okay. idea how to run the business mm-hmm. with, along with the other four employees. So like without him, I, th- I think we would have been okay because the, the employees, they do all the work. They were right? just great.
0: Mm-hmm. They were great, right? So when you were doing this process, were there like must-haves and nice-to-haves? Kind of like when you're buying a home, like must-have, like it needs to have a master bath, nice-to-have, a swimming pool. <laughs> like, did you have any of those?
1: <laughs> Definitely must-have. I was like, if we don't get employees, so we we can't do the deal. Okay, because, employees must-have. We must don't have. have the capacity to take on what they had. A, we acquired about 150 clients from them. Wow, now, We don't have the capacity to take on 150 yeah. clients. Like We definitely need the employees. That was a must-have. A mu- mm-hmm. Another must-have for us was, it was a must-have, that like she would introduce me to her, her client list because, yeah. again, they were so used to working with her and they bring this new person in. They're like, "Uh, who is she? And then we didn't want to lose that book of business because she worked on a, a third of the book of business for the most part. So mm-hmm. that was a must-have, but that didn't happen but it still worked out in the end yeah what we didn't want oh we didn't want so literally when i when i told you about that paper on those boxes yeah they had a they had racks and racks and racks and racks, <laughs> and racks and racks filled with those file boxes filled with paper when we moved them out of their office into our office we was like no none of that is coming because yeah. where are we going to put all this paper
0: right a fire hazard
1: paperless here and we don't have we don't have space just you think kill the rainforest (laughs) oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) listen if people (laughs) if anyone who is who who is uh passionate about saving trees saw that office they would burn it down i'm telling you that much paper in there Uh, so that was definitely something we didn't want Mm -hmm. um but i think those are like I said, it was such. It was almost too easy. When people say they have like these nightmare acquisitions or have these horror stories, I'm like, "What well, that wasn't my situation at all." One because I knew them. I think yeah. it helped that I knew them, mm-hmm. so it made like the talks easier. They were we were both compromising on what we wanted in the um, in the deal, so that helped. I also yeah. think that it helped that we also started early on taking their team with our team and doing lunches together so they can Ooh. get to know each other nice. so that to make sure that everyone fit together mm-hmm. and yeah. like they work really well together. So yeah, I think for us that, that those were the things we definitely needed to make sure it happened. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sounds like well. too,
0: that it was definitely a complimentary revenue stream as opposed to your main revenue stream. And that feels like to me that was much easier because it's not like you're taking all these clients from this one tax software and trying to merge them onto your other tax software. Like it's a completely new tech stack that you're not worried about, you know, having to merge in, transfer over. I think that's important
1: too right because again like you said if we had to take 300 well 150 some tax return clients and convert them all and we did this during tax season so we closed like in the middle of tax season Mm -hmm. if we had to convert them all during tax season it wouldn't have have happened we would have lost a ton of clients which would have cost us a bunch of money and that was something that would have been not a good deal for anybody
0: yeah. Did you so have you measurably since you've taken over this practice have you been able to upsell some of those clients and convert them to other services yet?
1: So not yet because we mm-hmm. haven't focused on upselling them yet. Okay. So we wanted to make sure first that we move the the employees from their old office to the new office without any hitches. We, mm-hmm. Our next phase is then taking all of the I guess the software they ha- we use EFTPS batch file for processing tax returns. Right now, we're still using their bank accounts to collect payments and then pay employees direct deposits. Yeah. So we have the next phase is transitioning all of that to our firm. Mm-hmm. And then once we get all of that ironed out, we're even toying with right now, it's all a cart, right? So payroll for them, you know, how mostly accounting kind of firms, they charge a fixed fee, mm-hmm. it's completely a la carte so the billing is such a nightmare because oh. the employee has to go in and kind of figure out when i say they charge them for everything like a stamp a stamp they will go in and see how many stamps they had to print off in mail for the client and they charge them for that i was like this can't be life because who's gonna know who's gonna keep doing this i'm not gonna do this yeah, so we no. so, so now we're, we have a survey actually we have a survey going out today to those clients to say hey would you be open to fixed fees? So I'm doing an analysis like, okay, can we still make a similar revenue or profit if we move yeah. them all to fixed fees? So like, yeah. we're doing it in phases. Cause again, we told them like nothing's going to change, right. Mm-hmm. As far as like how the payroll process goes, but some things are changing on our end to make it more efficient for us. Yes.
0: Yeah. And so then what's like your total timeline from like start to like day the acquisition happened to when you hope you know these kind of future things you're working on you hope to have done what's that deadline look like when do you so ha- we're to like, have that?
1: so the next phase is definitely moving them moving all of the I guess the the systems or logins to us we're trying to do that the start of third quarter because that's a clean cutoff. and then we hope to move everyone to fixed fee hopefully either fourth quarter or the start of the new year so. Hopefully by March of next year, everything will be fully integrated. All the employees will be fully on board. So March of next year, like it should be a fully functional Butler Davis company, without Mm -hmm. no having to rely on um, what the previous owner having. So we don't have to rely on anything she had set up.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, for the are company. you then, once that process is complete, are you looking at already thinking about your next acquisition and what that might <laughs> look like?
1: <laughs> Listen, you know what? I actually have a call. For uh, I it. <laughs> you know, it, and, and it's also one of those ones that someone that I know really well, her company is looking to be purchased because the owner is ready to retire. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I'll definitely look at the deal and see if it's something that we can move forward with. But yeah, if it's not as easy like listen i am not i'm all about easy street mm-hmm. like I, I have this saying if if i hit a wall three times it's not meant for me to do it so <laughs> I'm not
0: going to try it for
1: <laughs> so i am going to see if how this goes and if it goes well then we'll move forward if, if i hit that wall three times like you know what this is not the firm for me
0: yeah yeah absolutely so oh my gosh nicole thank you so much for coming no, on this was no, so much no, thank fun thanks you. for talking about your lover <laughs> all right nicole people want to learn more about you where is the best way to connect or how's the best way to connect where do they find you
1: find me on twitter my handle is at wipemomcpa cpa 100 so that is the best way to kind of figure out what's going on in my brain at any random moment
0: yes yes <laughs>
1: Yes, I you do, a lot.
0: You're great to follow.
1: <laughs> and if you want to learn more about my firm, we're at bd-accounting.com.
0: Yes. And if you want to find me, I'm on Twitter at Laurelyn Wilson. Thank you so much and see you next time. Thank you.